The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will set up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked, what was going on? He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours come, came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord.
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I think this is one of the richest stories in all of the Bible. Incredibly powerful story. And if your, your Bible is one of those that has placed a title on the different passages, um, a kind of editor's title, it often is referred to as the return of the prodigal son, which is also the name of one of the... Rembrandt was famous for one of his most famous paintings was called The Return of the Prodigal Son in this beautiful picture of the father and the two brothers. And one of the most important theological books that I have read um, is a reflection on that piece of art by Henry Nouwen. Henry uh, was a professor at Harvard and a Catholic theologian um, who, who left uh, his kind of prominence to go and live with people who were differently abled. But he, due to his connections when he was in Europe, was able to work out a deal with the art museum that has Rembrandt's painting on it. And he would go and just sit for hours um, at the feet of that painting and staring and praying. And, and the return of the prodigal son is a beautiful narrative that walks through his relationship with each of the characters in that story. And it's important because all of the emphasis in the language we've put on that primary prodigal son. But what his book did for me was help me see that there's a way of interacting with each of those three characters in the story. And I'll give you an example. Many of y'all have just returned from traveling this past week. Um, that kind of mid-semester Sabbath at the schools, if you have school-aged children, um, take call spring break and uh, my family we went to see my parents and so we spent a little bit of time in the car driving up and down Interstate 22 and if y'all have um, learned anything about me it is that I like to get somewhere pretty quickly I'm not gonna waste time I'm direct and we're gonna do what we need to do and take care of business in that way so when I get in the car it's a matter of seconds before I have cruise control on 75 miles per hour I hope that's okay <laughs> and y'all get it because I think 75 five miles over the speed limit we have kind of generally adopted is perfectly within the realms of what is acceptable and then I found myself, like often is the case as we were driving to Memphis, uh, a black Toyota Corolla cruised right past me, even though I'm passing a few people at 75 miles an hour. And I sat there going, I cannot wait to pass that car on the side of the road when a state trooper has pulled that over. <laughs> I kid you not, 15 minutes later, there's the Corolla and the state trooper behinds. And I'm sitting there going, yes, they got what they deserved. <laughs> and then I found that changing a little bit, um, another car passed me a little while later. And it was also going probably equally fast. And I found myself doing something different. This time I reached over and I hit plus twice. So I was now going, 
77 miles per hour because I was less likely to get pulled over and get a ticket. And I realized there are kind of two fundamental truths to the way we're designed. We, one, we have this idea of justice that has nothing to do with God's justice, and we want people to get what we believe they deserve. And usually that's because they're getting away with more than we ought to get away with. The second is, if someone's getting away with more than we're getting away with, we're going to try to stretch a little bit and see what else we can get away with. And that's where I found myself this week as we were driving down I-22. Now, the point of telling you this story is I think I'm not alone. I'm sure that most of y'all have wished that person who sped past you on the interstate got a ticket. We are the bigger brother in this story. We are the brother who watches his younger brother squander away all of his resources and wants him to get what he deserves. And that is not a party. We have this idea of justice that we think we know the best way of letting that justice reign. And so I think it's easy for us to kind of exist within the older brother's framework. But what now in story kind of pushes me to do is to kind of then say, what's the movement? Because it, while we all have those moments of judgment, they're probably something that is a regular practice of who we are, I think many of us maybe have found ourselves moving to become the second brother. Maybe we have been brought up incredibly short. We've had a relationship or a marriage fall apart. We have come to terms with our hardwiring and we recognize that we cannot participate in things other people can participate in. Or, we have cut so much shame or guilt or anxiety over the way that people have told us that we are supposed to be and that is not who we are. And then at some point in our lives, we recognize that, that God's goodness and the table and that love is perfectly available to us in all of our messiness and all of our brokenness. We make that movement from being the older brother who wants divine judgment to being the prodigal child when we recognize that all of our messiness is still welcome at the table, welcome to be held by God's love. And so we see the gift of God's grace. We're able to reorient our life. Maybe it's the need to repent for the things that we've done or left undone, or maybe it's the need to let go of that shame. But we find God's goodness perfectly available for us. Both of those are not the end of the story. The brilliance of, of Nouwen's reflections on Rembrandt's painting is there's an invitation to move to a third place. And that is the place of the Father. Each of you, each of us, have that potential 
to offer God's grace to those who need to know God's love. We need to move from judgment. We need to move then to a place where we understand that grace exists for us so that then we have the capacity and agency to extend God's love to each other. So when that person is speeding past us on the highway, we don't need to wish them what we think they deserve when that person short-sights us, when that relationship falls apart. We have the ability to move to the Father, to share God's love in a way that makes it known in this world. This Lent, as we prepare for Easter, I invite you to read over this story, this parable of the prodigal son, but not to limit yourself to one of the brothers, but to move beyond that and to recognize your own power to share God's love and forgiveness and reconciliation with a world that is hungry to need it. Amen.